0: Welcome to the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast, your place to learn how to run a profitable six-figure e-commerce business that gives you the financial freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm your host, Karen Parkinson, an e-commerce marketing mentor, Facebook ad specialist, speaker, and mum based in Hobart, Tasmania. With over 11 years experience in the industry, experience coaching hundreds of e-commerce business owners through my signature program, Ecomigniter, and up-to-the-minute insights from my Facebook ad agency, Unstoppable E-commerce, I'm here to educate and empower you to create your own unstoppable e-commerce business. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and let's jump in. Before we begin today, I'd like to acknowledge the Palawa people of Lutruwita as the first people and custodians here through all of time. The warm, loving feeling of home is felt here and it's a testament to the nurturing and care you've provided this country for thousands of years. I pay respect to the elders and acknowledge them as the wisdom holders and the teachers of the Palawa community. So, Rhys, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure it's uh, quite a topic when it comes to legal. So tell me, you've also got your own experience with e-commerce stores. What does that look like? So when I was pregnant with my second child, Ella, who's
1: going to be 13 in December, I decided as a side hustle, as we all do, to start an e-commerce business selling male grooming products. And I used to start with big commerce and moved over to Shopify. It was an incredible learning curve, a very steep Learning curve. Yes. I have to say, I tried with that business, I tried to do all the things myself, which was a bit of a mistake.
0: Very common one, though.
1: Yeah. But I was very enthusiastic and I more than made up for some of those deficiencies (laughs) with my enthusiasm and my, you know, my attitude to getting things done. But I loved that experience so much that I wanted to kind of replicate it not the bad experiences, but the good ones, yes. <laughs> you know, through setting up with find. So, yeah, so I totally understand how e-commerce works, The how, trying to increase my average order value through different mechanisms, you know, trying to offer free shipping, but without cutting, you know, my margins too much, having to stay on top of the numbers and having to stay on top of stock. And and then the, cli- uh, the customers, you know, you get some fabulous ones and then you get those real grumps you could never please. <laughs> Or the dodgy ones who claimed they never arrived, but you had proof that you had and the chargebacks yeah. and, oh, there was so, so much going on there. And then, you know, being ripped off by people who were teaching you or claim to know all about SEO and how you need to have it and
0: so many things. You really have been in the thick of it and you know all the challenges that come with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. With customers,
1: it was always around the shipping and the product and you know, and with the with the marketing gurus, it was always you know you don't know what you don't know, right? And and you engage the people thinking you know they're the experts. So and soon soon you discover that you've been ripped off for that SEO plan and all the work and um, yeah. So there was a steep learning curves there, and also not knowing who to reach out to for support and not having a community. Yeah, because when I first started out, as you can imagine, nearly 13 years ago, there wasn't the same level of support or Facebook groups that they are now. Yeah, you know, sure. building your own little mini communities like there's a fabulous Shopify Australia Facebook group. I don't believe that was around when I started my store
0: then vast amount of knowledge online since then. Yeah, absolutely. So accessible. So, um, yeah,
1: so there's there's been some big learning curves f- from that business. Absolutely. D- do I regret it? N- not at all. I learned so much and it was actually a successful business towards the
0: end. And was this before or after your legal profession? So did you know all the legalities around it?
1: Yeah. So the legalities were sorted. I was doing all of that. So this was my side hustle. The e-commerce business at the time was a side hustle. So I was still doing full-time legal at the time.
0: So you had the e-commerce store, but all of your legal side of things was completely ticked off. So For a lot of other people listening, it tends to be something that we kind of dig our head in the sand a little bit and we're like, oh, you know, we'll just ignore that bit and hopefully it'll go away. So tell us, as a product-based business owner selling online, what do we need to be aware of with the law? So you need to be aware
1: of a couple of things. You know, one is having very, very clear website terms and conditions, a privacy policy Having a shipping policy, refund returns policy, being very clear in those things and not just leaving it within those documents, making sure you've got FAQs around that dotted around, maybe some reminders in the emails as well. So it's really important from a legal perspective, having insurance. So if you manufacture or provide your own branded products as well, having the right insurance is important. Important as well. So there's practical things as well. Complying with the, um, you know, uh, the Spam Act. So your marketing emails. Just because they sign up to be a customer doesn't mean they've signed up for commercial emails like marketing emails. So make sure you get the consent. So you're complying. You know, because you can get in trouble for that. So it's really, really important about those things. And depending on the nature of your products and services, you know, making sure you've got the right disclaimers on your website as well and make sure you provide the ingredients and the product descriptions are clear and reflective of the product. Don't make claims that don't exist, you know, don't make guarantees that don't exist or that you can't back up, you know. So be careful of the language you choose to use. And the communication, communication, communication. I know that's not legals, but it's so so important as well. But Also, you know, going back to the legal side of things, the privacy policy number one, it makes you look more professional. Number two, it's a requirement. And although you're a small business and you may not fall within that requirement, Facebook, if you've got a Facebook page and most businesses Mm. do, or if you use Google, they expect you to have a privacy policy. And not only that, you know, customers these days are so much more aware and and have a lot of concern around their privacy and what's going to happen to their personal information. So having a privacy policy gives them that comfort and yeah. you're able to inform them exactly what you do with that information. So having a privacy policy is important. The website terms and conditions, that kind of sets the rules of engagement for what they can and cannot do on your website and with the content, etc., the products, you know, all those things. And it protects them and you you know. So if you take testimonials and product reviews on your website, you know, it allows you the right to use them as you see fit if you have clear terms and conditions around that, you know. So there's lots of things that your website terms and conditions help you with around those things. And your shipping and refund and return, you know, you've got to comply with Australian consumer laws as well. So it's important that your return and refund policy reflects that. And it also kind of you know, what it does is it really makes it clear you're communicating with the customer before they've even bought from you what they can expect from you if things do go wrong. So having that clarity so um is so, so important. So it's it's worth, you know, bearing that in mind as well. So they have a practical effect, not just a legal, you know, effect as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: they build that trust and yeah. you know, make you look like a, a real business.
1: Yeah. And so in terms of The legal pages you would then have on your website would be a page for your website Ts and C's, a page for your privacy policy. And I would highly recommend separate refund returns and a separate shipping, even if they are incorporated into your website Ts and C's, I would have them as separate as well. When they're buying and about to hit that click to spend, submit the, you know, the payment. You should have a tick box to confirm acceptance of your Ts and C's and your privacy policy and shipping, et cetera, as well. Just to cover yourselves, that you know they can't then deny they weren't given an opportunity to allow you to read those things as well. So yeah, so just make sure you're complying consumer laws, you're complying with the Spam Act, uh, Privacy Act as well with how you you do things.
0: Amazing. Then there's so many, and you've brought up so many things there. One thing that I found, you know, I'm one of those people that's always had so many business ideas, and you know, serial entrepreneur, and and my husband as well. And quite often I'll go, well, actually, you know, it gets really big by the time you think of all the different things that you have to do. And then I see other people that will just start a market stall and start selling these things that they've made. And I'm thinking, well, what insurance have you got? Or And they haven't thought about any of those. So at what point do people need to go, well, this is actually I'm selling something, I need that insurance.
1: They should do it from the beginning, to be honest, they should do a little bit of a checklist of all the things. And it's worth speaking to an insurance broker if they're not sure what kind of insurance. But typically, you know, when you talk about a stall straight away, I'm thinking, you know, public liability, then there's also product insurance, you know, uh, having insurance for your products as well to protect you. And if you give any kind of advice, for example, as part of the If you provide products, but also services, then you may think about professional indemnity insurance as well. And then if you have employees, is work cover or the equivalent, depending on which state or territory you're based in, having insurance, which is a requirement, an obligation on employers to have in place. So there's lots of different types of insurance as well. And it's worth speaking to a broker rather than speaking to the, the big guns, you know, speaking to Allianz, yeah. uh, you know, directly or Suncorp or whatever. It's worth speaking to a broker so they can help guide you as to what's the right kind of insurance for you and, you know, what does that look like for your business? Because it might be uniquely tailored to your business.
0: And now as well with us collecting all these personal details online, you know, there's cyber insurance. and Correct. There's
1: also, yeah, absolutely. Cyber insurance is becoming a must for business. Is depending on the nature of the information they're collecting as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what's something like, just to think of some of these, there's like Shopify, for instance, will give you a free template for a privacy policy, a shipping policy, returns policy, and things like that. Or I've seen where people go, oh, well, their business is similar to mine. I'll just copy and paste those and I'm sure it's fine. What are some of those big no-nos when it comes to either using one of those really basic templates or sort of trying to write your own? So basically, the basic templates or if you copy and
1: paste, well, if you're copy and pasting somebody else's, you're already breaking the law. You're breaching somebody's copyright, okay? And I've seen scenarios where the copy and paste has included somebody else's business's email and business name. Yeah, I've say that too. <laughs> you know, be careful. So you're breaking the law if you're copying and pasting. If you're using basic templates, you know, whilst there's nothing wrong with that, they don't address what you do and how you do things, okay? And they don't reflect how you run your business, you need to be really careful about those things when you do that. So you need to make sure that it's detailing who you are, what, how you run things, what, how do you return and refund, but in compliance with consumer laws, obviously. You know, like some businesses offer change of mind within a certain time frame. Do you? You might not. And yeah. you've just copied and pasted some of these T's and C's that allows for a change of mind. You know, so you need to be very careful that your T's and C's Your privacy policy reflects how you do things.
0: So if you are using a template, which can be a good way to start, just making sure that it's detailed enough. And I guess with Shopify, for instance, you know, the only difference is either you're in the US or the EU or Australia. And within Australia, like we've got so many different states with different and territories with different laws and things like that. So just being really hyper aware of what's included in there
1: absolutely and and you should go through those things with a fine tooth comb because especially when you know customer information is involved or you know if you're doing returns and refunds well what are your you know the grounds for that return or refund on the one hand complying with consumer laws but on the other do you want to offer a change of mind refund or what does that look like if you do is it a 30-day I see a
0: lot of like happiness guarantee or satisfaction guarantee, but yeah, what does that mean? What
1: does that mean? And you need to back up any claims you make. If you're going to offer a warranty or a guarantee or something, can you back it up? Because once you've said it, you've got to comply with that. So just be careful of the language you use because you may end up, you know, if you use somebody else's template, they may have put in some guarantees around their Mm -hmm. product or service that you don't provide.
0: What about, like, I often see Australia's best this, or, you know, Australia's favourite, you know, those big, bold claims.
1: You know, so it's it, it all depends. There's this kind of shades of grey area of, you know, the claims that you make, whether you can back them up, as well as, is it obvious that they, they're just being hu- humorous and it's, you know, uh, it's tongue in cheek. So, trying to be there's a fine line between those things so for me what I've noticed especially with beauty brands etc is making claims around the efficacy of their product making some guarantees that you won't have any wrinkles anymore ever or <laughs> do you know what I mean so so those are the ones that get into the biggest trouble when they make those promises those guarantees that this is what's going to happen
0: oh like the case with Lorna Jane and wear these tights and you won't contract calm. Yes,
1: that kind of stuff <laughs>
0: So that's where it
1: te- typically tends to be more trouble, the best and the favorite and stuff you could claim, you know, you 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 could maybe potentially a favorite amongst your customers, maybe, you know, yeah. so you can potentially those and are, are not as problematic as the ones when you make claims like, yeah, like that one. It's all case by case and you need to look at the wording to see, you know, is it tongue in cheek? Is it a bit beyond that? Is it, you know, what are you trying to achieve here as well? So it's a multi-layered sort of look at what's going so on. So that personal yeah.
0: advice really comes in. So one common thing that my listeners do is run competitions. So quite often it's either like enter your email, you know, ticket in this drawer to win a voucher each month, or it might be, you know, um social media competition encouraging emails or follows on social media and things like that. What do they need to consider there?
1: So quite a few things you need to be complying with Instagram, Facebook or Meta as it's now called, you know, their requirements and put in a disclaimer that they're not in any way affiliated if you do it on social media. If you are running a competition, you should have terms and conditions for the competition. And look, we have a great blog article on the topic as well with a breakdown. And there's two types Definitely of...
0: Link up to that one in the show notes. Yeah, you
1: should. You should. And we've also got... A t- actually, we've got a template and, I, and I'm not intended to plug it, but we have one. And you can repurpose that as often as you like. But it's important for the person entering into the competition to know what to expect, what the timeframes are, how long is the competition going to run for? How is the competition being run? You know, is it, do I tag a friend and do this? Is there, I got to submit something in? What do I need to do to enter that competition? Do you have any eligibility requirements? Is it for Australia only? Is there an age limit? Do they have to be 18 and over? So you need to have very clear terms around that competition and so that there's clarity for the person entering in and they accept those terms. So for example, think about, you know, one of the goals I would imagine a business who's offering a competition and it tends to be the same goal in essence is to either increase the number of followers, hopefully get some customers, clients out of the situation as well and a more awareness of their brand, their products. As part of that, you're going to want to maybe announce the winner. You're going to want to publicize any entrants if they've had to do certain things to enter you're going to want to use all of that once the competition's over you might want to use some images um, pictures etc around that competition do you have the consent of of those people who entered into the competition for anything they submitted to you you know so you need to be careful about all the things around the competition so having the right terms and conditions is super important because it kind of sets out what are your rules you know And what does uh, the person entering into that competition has to do in order to be able to win? You know, when are you going to tell them if they're the winner? How are you going to tell them? You know, all of these things, who's running the competition is in collaboration with somebody else. And if so, who are they? Mm. You know, the customer, the person needs to know these things as well and be aware of, and they need to be giving you consent, both for the use of their personal information, for the use of any IP they share with you as well. So intellectual property. So if they send in a picture, say, or a or something original that they that belongs to them. Do you have their permission to use it afterwards? So it's really really important, and you may need to comply with uh, legislative requirements as well. Depending on the nature of the competition, you may need a permit. Depending on the nature and the value of that competition as well. And that's a whole big topic in its own right. So I'm, I'm yeah. going to leave it there. But. Basically, you know, just remember there are legislation you may need to comply with. You may need to comply with platform rules as well if you're running it on social media and you need to protect yourself and, you know, be very clear around the rules for that competition so that the customer is aware as well.
0: Yeah, so much. And I think there's so many people that go in completely oblivious and just put up a competition without any of those terms and conditions. So really important if you're one of those that you look at that next time. So one thing I notice a lot on socials is images being shared. So there's memes with celebrities or gifts that people have made with them. What are we allowed to do and what can't we do when it comes to sharing those images online? Great question. And it depends. So I hate to be the, the
1: person who says that, but I'm going to say that it depends. You know, when you're, when you're sharing memes and stuff, you're not promoting or you're not saying that, you know, Brad Pitt's, associated right, with your brand favorite perfume, you know yeah. for example you're not uh, saying as long as you're not commercializing there are different levels and intricacies around this but it depends on what you're using it for how you're using it and whether there's a license to be uh, required to use it or whether it's available to be used as well it all depends on what the, that image is what you're using it for whether you can use it And not everyone's complying, by the way. I have noticed that. So, you know, you can't use a celebrity's image to promote your products and services. You'll get into a lot of trouble. Okay. So you will have seen um, Mania, the, the works, right? So I know that some big brands did collaborate with them. So if you have seen the Barbie brand being used by other brands it's because they've got a license to use it and yes. they're, they're both benefiting and there will be a contract and quite
0: often it's Barbie the movie which Correct. is a separate there will license be, to Barbie Absolutely,
1: yes So the creators of Barbie the movie would have permission and license rights and all sorts with the owners of Barbie, right? And then separately, the businesses, I think ASOS was one of them that comes to mind that did a collaboration. You know, I could be wrong, but I think they were one of the ones. But regardless, these other brands will have had a license to use the Barbie name, logo, etc. And without that, they wouldn't have been able to do what they've done. So it was a commercial arrangement. So everyone else who's jumped on the bandwagon, if you've used the Barbie font and what have you, you're basically,
0: you're not supposed to be doing that. You don't have permission. Yeah. I actually had a question about that because quite a few people I've seen a a brand recently, they came out with t-shirts, a different word, but in the Barbie font, very clearly, you know, meant to be, I think they even called it their Barbie range and even like quotes from the movie, like Knuff and things like that. So big no, no, if you don't have the license to work with so you shouldn't be using the Barbie brand names, etc.,
1: because that's their trademark. It's their IP. You can't yeah. be using that. But you can use things like, you know, Knuff. I've seen I've referenced Knuff in a comment uh, about something that's okay. But it's when you're commercial, commercializing and using, but you can't use somebody's trademark without their permission and certainly not without their permission when you're doing some kind of commercial activity. You need a license.
0: So what about knuff on a T-shirt? Uh, I don't know about because you're selling that T-shirt, <laughs> okay.
1: right? So I don't I'm think so. Yeah, right. So you got
0: to be careful
1: and there's nuances there as well. And you got it. I mean, Barbie's even like trademarked that, that particular shade of pink, you know. So no yep. other business can use that particular shade of pink, similar to Tiffany they've
0: yeah, trademarked. Yeah, it's called Barbie pink now, that Pantone, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's really, really
0: important that you kind of You know, I've seen brands trying to get around using the you know the the licensing by putting a Barbie doll in with their products. One that's even kind of had Barbie, you know, Barbie's favorite new bag because it was bright pink (laughs) and things like that. I think there's been a lot of grey areas that people have tried to slip into.
1: Very much so, and the the bigger businesses have got deeper pockets, and they'll come after you at some point. So it's really important to be mindful of those things as well. And it's you know. What tends to happen is people just don't know what they don't know. And, but unfortunately, ignorance is not bliss.
0: Yes. And not an excuse when it comes to Mattel and different licensees <laughs> knocking on their door. Exactly. So, so like I said, if you did
1: see, you know, any kind of use of the Barbie logo or slogans by the, these bigger businesses, it's because they had a license to do so and both parties benefited from it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Patents. Look, I had all the questions for you today because I'm like, there's so much in e-commerce. But what is a patent, and when should somebody look to, or should they even, and when look to patent their product? Okay, so
1: patents are can be a costly exercise and a time-consuming one as well. You should be going to an expert, you know, patent attorney to use it. But it's a form of intellectual property, and it's essentially new inventions or ideas to ensure you have exclusive rights to that invention to utilize it for commercial purposes and generate revenue. And to be eligible for a patent, your invention must be a device, substance, method, or process, which is essentially new, inventive, and useful. So the newness of the patent is important in the registration process. And if a similar idea already exists or has been registered, then you will not be able to patent it. Also, if you've discussed your idea with others, it may not be regarded as new. So it's really, really important, I think, to speak to a patent attorney. That's not something we do as such, but you need to speak to a patent attorney to get an understanding of whether what you have is going to, you know, stand up and be able to be registered. So a couple of things that come to mind is, so everyone's heard of Frank Green in Australia, right? So the mechanism in their lid, they've got that patented for example oh, wow. the vaccines vaccines are patented you know so there's lots of different things that you can patent but it's a time consuming costly exercise and whether it's worth patenting is a personal decision and a commercial decision you know depending yeah. on what you have whether this is something super unique and you want to protect it and then get it patented is a a commercial slash personal decision that you should speak to a patent attorney In order to make that decision, you need to make that decision because there's a potential to make generate a lot of revenue, right? So it may be initial costs are high, but it might be worth the,
0: you know, the outcome. This is the story of the poor lady that had the patent for the fidget spinner and then let it lapse. Yeah. (laughs) You think, oh, if anyone's kicking themselves, it would be her. Okay. What about products being copied and up? often see these people going, you know, such and such has copied my product or they've copied my brand. Or um, I've even seen where somebody has approached a factory where something's being manufactured and go, can you make it for me as well? And unfortunately, those factories do come out and do that. So what can people do if that happens?
1: So it's kind of a tricky one as well. It's a form of intellectual property and it depends on, you know, whether you have, you can protect designs. Okay. Similar to trademarks and patents, you can protect them. So again, it's got to be something nobody's heard of or seen, or at least the designs can't be public. You need to go through a process and protect that design. And then it's given protection. I, I, think, I believe it's some um, five years and you can protect that design for that period at minimum. And there's two steps, you know, that that includes the registration process and then the, you get the certification, you know, to ensure you must have the design certified and IP Australia is the entity that'll examine the designs. And if it passes the examination process, then the design's registered and it'll be certified. And that's one way of, you know, protecting it. Because you've now got it certified, that makes it a bit easier. So if anyone is infringing on your design right without your permission, you know, IP Australia is not a watchdog. You've got to be the watchdog, if you know what I mean. So you've got to take steps necessary To protect that design by sending a letter of demand, for example, if they benefit from in a financial perspective from your copying your design, you can um, you know attempt to get that money back. But it can be an expensive and lengthy, costly. Basically, I did say expensive, but yeah, so it's an expensive process. So if somebody
0: was to come up with, you know, like a handmade product and they put it out in the market without protecting it, and then say Kmart decides they're going to do their own version. Yeah, it becomes a a tricky area. It's not
1: fine. You can still try, but it's just harder (laughs) to protect than a registered design. You could still rely on copyright depending on what they've done and how they've used it. So there are different ways, but all the ways that involve money, basically, and can be costly. So you can start with, for example, a letter of demand, and that might work. It might even be a simple email or a DM to the person or the business, telling them, hey, that's my copyright, that's my design, or that's my work, you know, my blog content, etc., and you can ask them to stop. If that doesn't work, then you you Go that next stage of a letter of demand. You may even go into sort of a dispute resolution process prior to going to court being the final kind of step if none of those other steps helped, you know. Yeah. And it depends though, so you got to make this decision. You know, is this worth pursuing? Yeah. How much is it gonna cost financially,
0: to... emotionally? Yeah, correct.
1: So you gotta make those decisions. So copying your designs is not okay. It's never okay. You gotta look at you know, what's involved, how can you protect yourself, and the more protection you can add through your terms and conditions, through, you know, protecting it through registrations, if it's a very unique and original design, you can do all of that. I mean... Kmart's been one of the biggest ones amongst others where, you know, people go <laughs> I to I try Chi- not to
0: name names, but let's
1: just. <laughs> you go to China. I'm not saying that they've done anything wrong. I'm just saying they, they tend to yeah. be one of the ones accused the most, you know, where their designs. And I think, you know, if you think about it, it's quite easy to do, especially if a lot of businesses are using companies in China and they haven't locked down any terms with them as to what they can and cannot do with the designs they've been provided with. And even then, it's still hard. So the decision comes down to money as to whether you can pursue it or not, because, you know, if that design was original based on your original expression of your ideas, then yes, you've got rights under copyright law, and you can have further rights under the registration of your design as well. Uh, Additional kind of layer of protection, if you like, that protects it and makes it easier. But The cost involved in pursuing it, you know, just to write a letter could be a couple of thousand dollars, you know, and that's not including the back and forth then potentially as well. And that's how the bigger businesses tend to get away with it as well. So what you can do, how you can protect yourself other than, you know, do, doing that design registration is potentially something worth considering because it makes it a little easier. But the other way is making you unique, your brand unique, you know, who you are unique and having you associated with that brand. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so now when you look at those...
0: People buy from people. Correct. So, yeah. so
1: if you think about Frank Green, aside from their patented technology, they've made that particular shape and those colors synonymous with their brand
0: yeah you see one of their cups and you know that that's correct yeah so it's making your product your
1: service synonymous with you and nobody can replace you and people in my opinion these days buy from people and so if you can make yourself a standout in your own way and you know and do try i'm not saying don't protect yourself but make you need to make the decision is it worthwhile pursuing and there's things you can do to mitigate some of those risks, from terms and conditions, with contracts with suppliers and manufacturers from registering a unique design that hasn't been shown anywhere, you know you can do these things, but if somebody's determined to do some the wrong thing it it's then a decision of can I afford to chase this up?
0: Yeah okay, one last question for you what's something that most people are doing wrong online? couple of things in my view,
1: not having Surprisingly, still, there are businesses out there that don't have website T's and C's and a privacy policy. So that's something that they're not doing. The other is sending marketing emails to people who have bought from them rather than consented to be marketed to. That's a big one. So you should always have, you know, if you've got a pop up and most e commerce businesses, if you don't, then you're not really an e commerce business, right? Yeah. So when you have a pop up on there, there should be, before they click that button, a little notice tick box to say hey we're going to be when you sign up to this email here we're going to send you marketing emails and you can unsubscribe at any time by the way but this is what we're going to send you and you'll give you're allowing them to make an informed decision they
0: can make that decision yeah
1: and if they buy from you you can add in a consent there as well yes to say hey you know, we would love to send you marketing emails. Would you be happy for that to happen? So I'm not saying send the email for the order confirmation and not ask or or in that journey somewhere when they're buying only to not ask, ask, but don't send them something if they haven't ticked and consented. So that's really important. And that applies also to SMS as well, you know, so making sure that you are compliant. Look, if you're using Klaviyo or MailChimp or whatever platform you're using, they have inbuilt mechanisms to make sure compliance with spam etc but you're the one doing the opt-in side of it right mm. so you need to do that part right so you need to make sure when they opt in they are expressly opting into marketing emails at the time of purchase or through your click-up option so you've got to be clear with the click-up option you know that pop-up you
0: know if you're not offering, just getting what you've asked for correct it's
1: got to be more than that so you're not just saying, hey, I'm giving you 10%. If you sign up to my newsletter and leave it at that, you need to like have the link to your privacy policy. Say you're going to be sending them future map, promo emails, however you want to word it, but you got to make sure you get that consent. And definitely just to be very, very clear when they buy from you, but they haven't signed up via pop-up to your newsletter, you do not add them to your newsletter. They have not given you permission. So you need to make sure you get that permission. And you can incorporate that into your shopping cart experience, potentially, you know, just be careful of how you market if you've got the consent.
0: It still happens a lot. You know, I teach Clavio and Shopify and they integrate beautifully, but there's still a lot of people that I'll buy from. And then all of a sudden I go, thanks for joining our email list. I'm like, hang on, I did not check that box. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's still a lot of people online doing the wrong thing around that. Yeah. So that's one of
1: the biggies. And like I said before about the website T's and C's and stuff, you know, you've got to be able to set the rules of engagement for your website, and let customers know what they can and cannot do. And also put yourselves in their shoes. If you were buying something online, what would you want your experience to be? Would you want to know how long it may take? Never guarantee shipping, by the way, because you can't. It's Mm -hmm. not in your control. But give them approximates. Give them the links to the third party providers if necessary. Being very clear you know, around your shipping, being very clear around your refunds and returns, you know, how they can contact you, you know, being clear around those things, adding them uh, like breadcrumbs throughout your website on like your FAQs, you know, whatever's important. Think, put yourself in their shoes. What would you want to know before I buy? You know, I'm on this website. I want to buy this product. What do I need to know? So really important to communication. Whether it's a contract, a website T's and C's, it's how you communicate it is important. Because the last thing you want is for a customer to be surprised that they can't refund in certain circumstances because you didn't put your refund policy on your website or you didn't make it clear enough.
0: Yeah. Set the expectation from the beginning. Correct.
1: And breadcrumb it. Don't just leave it at the policy on your website.
0: I hid that on my website. They should know. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> always, always breadcrumb it. Such good advice.
0: I think this is the first time, Riz, that I've written a full page of notes while interviewing you. Oh, 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 oh! I'll write that down. <laughs> I'll write that down. So, thank you for dropping so much knowledge today. That's so important. All of these things for your brand. So, if you're listening and thinking, oh, I haven't got that in place. Where can people find you? And How can they, you know, dotter their I's and cross all their T's? Absolutely. So I pretty much
1: live on Instagram. So it's at find and it's find with two D's, F-O-U-N-D-D, legal. And website's the same URL and it's dot com.
0: Great. Right. We'll link up to those in the show notes for you as well.
1: And like I said, I've got some great blog articles on a number of things that are relevant to e-commerce businesses, including the competition, T's and C's, and talking about refund policies and what like. As but you've well also as,
0: got some amazing templates. Yeah, templates. So we've got, e-
1: com- we've got an e-commerce kit, which is one of our best sellers, actually, that includes shipping and return and refund policy, along with a user guide PDF version and a video version as well walking you through a few things in there and a couple of freebies I think if I recall a little mini extra checklist to help you complete everything and understand what you need as an e-commerce business Amazing. yeah and we've got a number of other free resources as well so knock yourselves out it's really really important to get things right for example I've just recently moved over to Claview. And I'm getting an expert to help me settle in properly. And then I'll go in and double check that everything works the way I want it to work. So, you know, doing the right things from the beginning, setting the right foundations is so, so important. It really means that by being proactive, you are actually saving yourself money in the long term. Just think about that. Imagine if you had to be reactive constantly, number one is exhausting. Number two, it's stressful. And number three, it can cost you a ton of money.
0: Yeah. We don't want that at all. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a value-packed episode and I will link up to the e-commerce kit where people can get that checklist and also to your socials. So make sure that you give Riz a follow and the team and make sure you're on top of all of your legals online. Thank you so much. No worries. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable E-Commerce Podcast. You can find all the show notes and links that I mentioned on my website at unstoppableecom.com forward slash podcast. If you're ready to take action and grow your e-commerce store into a profitable, six-figure plus business, join me inside Ecom Club. Ecom Club is the community for women in e-commerce looking to learn, connect, and grow. You get full access to my signature training program, Ecom Igniter, as well as next level support inside our private support group with weekly live calls, monthly guest experts and quarterly planning workshops. Find all the details now at ecom.com forward slash club. See you on the inside.